0: Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode number 76 of The Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life. Well, welcome to the show, guys. Hope you're having a great week. So, guys, i was talking to the people that uh, help me with my podcast, and one of the things they've been telling me is I need to get more reviews on iTunes. So, that's going to help spread the message, have more impact, and let the show go further. So, Here's what I'm going to do. I would love you to go onto iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It's super easy. Find the show and give it a quick rating and a review. I know it's kind of annoying to do that, but hopefully it should take less than a minute to do it. And I'm going to incentivize you. I've been reading this book at the moment called This is Marketing by Seth Godin, and it's blowing my mind. If you don't know Seth Godin, he's a man and he's a bald man that wears glasses. So you know he knows what he's talking about. And This book is everything he's kind of learned about marketing and how to bring an idea into the world, how to have a business that impacts people and how to market it. And it is brilliant and I love it. So what I'm going to do is next week on the show, uh, we'll have a look at some of the reviews that have come in on iTunes and the best review I'll pick, read out on the show, and then I'll send you a copy of this incredible book that is blowing my mind right now. So it's free to do. It's free to go and subscribe on iTunes on Spotify, and it will make a big difference and help this show spread a little bit quicker. Guys, today on the show, I've got my friend Zart Baraka, and let me tell you a little bit about Zart. Zart is a student and teacher of uh, Men's Deep Inner Work. He's the founder of the Men's Coach Training and the New Masculine Program, and he's radically affected thousands of men across the globe with his cutting-edge men's work. I've had the pleasure of doing a little bit of work with Zart, and it was very, very uh, powerful you know, spending time with them, this is really uh, at the core of what Zart does, helping men to fully express and bring their uh, mission into the world. And so Zart, let me welcome you to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, nice to see you. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. It has been a while. We kind of spent, uh, a, I think it was a year together, sort of in yeah. a month of mine pretty intensively. Uh, yeah. And that was about uh, 18 months ago. We haven't been in that much contact since then. So it's good to have this conversation yeah, again. Matt. So tell me a little bit about this type of work. I know you've been doing this for a long time. This really is your life's work. What has kind of brought you to this work? How did you mm. sort of initially get into it? Why is it important to you?
1: Yeah, it really is my life's work. It's what I do all day, every day for <laughs> for years now. Yeah. And I still I still love it. That's the good thing. That's that's the cool thing. Is that I still love doing it. And um, you know, I think part of Also, what's keeping me loving it is that the world is welcoming men's work, men's evolution, awakening, many different frames we can put on it. But because of the times we're living in, it's so critical and called upon, you know? So I got into the work because I think like many of us, because I got on my own path because of my own pain and suffering and confusion. And, you know, so I got on the path many years ago, a long time ago. And, um, to stay consistent in the work and studying and pushing the edge and pushing the envelope all the time and, um, dip my toe in and out with helping others and continue to study and push. You know, I kind of had that, that syndrome that a lot of people have, which is, oh, I just need to learn this one more thing before I'm really like skilled enough to help someone. (laughs) I just need to take one more training and then I'm ready, you know? Mm. So I kept doing that. I kept doing that. And then, first, I was a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher. I was living in a in a yoga ashram in in San Diego, California. so that was my my first real foray into teaching, but I'd already been doing so much deep inner work, transformational work, cathartic, you know emotional kind of work. So I was working with clients privately as well as as um in, in you know teaching classes. but I called it what i think what I called it I called it. Yogic lifestyle counseling <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> that was the name that was the name I had for it back then, and then you know continuing doing the men's work and then finally at some point i I stopped bringing in the the specific yogic lens, calling it yogic and um just doing deep inner work, transformational work, and then focusing just on men because that's what I know best I know my, myself and yeah, and then also. Really love doing couples work as well, so I do a lot of relational intimacy co-ed workshops, but really focusing my mastery in with men
0: into Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's yeah, it's been quite a journey.
0: It's cool. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, you, you use a lot of terms. I think a lot of people in our sphere will you know, understand a lot of the stuff you're talking about. Just break it down a little bit more in terms of men's work. What does that mean? Why would someone good. get into men's work? Or good question. Yeah. Men's work, yeah, it's quite a broad general term,
1: but men's work implies some form of personal growth, personal development work. And so, you know, there's a difference between someone just going to a coach, let's say, and, you know, we could say like the life being a life coach, right? Mm -hmm. And not to say all life coaches are this way, but generally life coaching tends to work around achieving. Like a goal, right? Goal orientation. But as you know, when when you're doing deep coaching, it's working at the foundational level to create the being that is is able to manifest the vision that he wants. And so, men's work is through the frame of of the men's mind, our biological programming, the wounds, the issues, the challenges that are you know specific to men. You know, there's there's different ways you can approach the work. There's I don't know how deep you want me to get into that, but.
0: Um, well, let's come back to that. You know, that's, a, that that's a good, yeah. good intro. It's, you know What I heard is basically men wanting to get into personal growth and do it on a more deep foundational level. So I think, yes. um, like I often say, in my journey into personal development, it either comes from a rock bottom moment in some way or trying to take on something or bring something to life in the world and then finding that it's a lot harder than you thought. I feel like those are yeah. kind of two avenues. And so for me, I had a really bad breakup five years oh, ago. Brought me to my first coach. And then through that work, I wanted to leave my flying career and then do a job that impacted people, start my own business and travel the world. And found that that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah, So it's kind of like I was coming into it from a rock bottom moment and then found what I truly wanted to bring into the world and had all the challenges come up around that. And then that's where the work starts. With
1: what was underneath that, you know, is, isn't what's underneath all of this, maybe not everyone's going to term it this way, but it's, it's mastery, some kind of mastery by wanting to have more mastery in life, mm. wanting to have more skillfulness and wisdom and mastery in how you do things, not just from a linear logical, like, how do you market? Okay. Here are the five <laughs> key steps to marketing, right? Yeah. But really ha- having some mastery in that realm,
0: yeah. Yeah, mastery is trying to, this kind of speaks to the piece of trying to bring something into the, the world, I think, that's important to you. Mastery's always had a funny, <laughs> it's always been a funny word for me because uh, I love to like, I want to do everything, right? And so mm. mastery always feels very restrictive to me. Oh, you just do one thing really well. What about all the other stuff? What about all the FOMO that comes up? So mastery's always had a funny thing for me. But yeah, I do there is a certain level of fulfillment and joy that only comes from mastery. That's one thing I've discovered.
1: Yeah. I mean, from from my path, since I come from a, a Buddhist path and you know, having my same teacher now for uh, 19 years, it's not something I speak about all, you know, openly and talk about, but it, it is an enlightenment path. It's, it's about any kind of I tell, I say, personal growth, personal development. But I, you know, when I'm writing, I'll often do personal slash spiritual growth, right? Because really, that's what we're doing. Uh, although some people may not have an, the inclination to speak with spiritual lingo, if we're doing work right that is evolving us, that is making us more, better relational beings to life, to ourself, having more skillfulness in how we relate to life, whether it's business, money, relationship, whatever it is it's a path of becoming more awake beings, which has all kinds of implications. So well, that's obviously. the frame. Yeah. I mean, that's the frame through which I, I've been mainly trained is, um,
0: yeah, through, more the wakefulness. Path, through the spiritual path. Yeah. I think that's kind of the, the thing that a lot of people realize when they're in the work. And like you said, maybe some life coaches are more just attached to how to reach a goal. And mm-hmm. sometimes that has to be the way into the work. Where you sure. go, hey, I want to, uh, you know, I want to make a million dollars. Cool. Well, let's work on that. And then a skillful coach, or you know, someone like yourself that's more uh, a little bit deeper or is a little bit more aware of some of the deeper things, will start to figure out. Well, why do you want to make a million dollars? How do right. you want to make a million dollars? And start to dig into that. And so, although the the, the goal initially was to make a million bucks. Once we start peeling back a few of the layers, I think that's where we have the opportunity to open the spiritual path.
1: Yeah, I mean, isn't that the path? I think for many coaches is experiencing what people come into the workforce is, is usually not what they end up doing. Sure. Right? Sure. I mean, someone, someone may come into the work with me, um, a man, because he's had repeated failure in relationship, Right. And he's just really suffering, or maybe he's in a relationship again, that's about to fail or about to dissolve. And um it goes from, okay, how can I fix this? How can I fix this? What do I need to, to fix in myself? Or what do I need to do better in relationship? And then, you know, we're off on a completely different, you know, line of work, you yeah. know, line of inquiry into themselves. Yeah. Um, which, of course, we can keep the original focus and goal that someone comes in with. But I mean, countless times someone's coming. I want to make more money, or uh, you know, I want to switch jobs, and then we end up doing the the work. You're not doing the work of switching jobs. Then go to
0: a, a career counselor. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's the, the catch is that you will end up switching jobs. You will end up improving your relationship, but it's probably not going to come the way that you thought it was going to come.
1: That's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like what 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 do people come to you mainly for? What do you find in in your rough idea? I'm just curious.
0: Yeah, well, people come to me mainly to bring an idea into the world. That's how I would frame it. So I often say entrepreneur, but all an entrepreneur is, is somebody that wants to bring an idea into the world, make a difference, and is willing to take some risks to do that, hopefully for financial reward. So a lot of people come to me for that reason. They're bored with their life They've been stuck in the same job for a while. They know there's more to life. They know there's more in them. And they want to know, how do I bring those gifts to the world? And so as soon as we start working on that, a lot of stuff comes up. It's scary. So uh, a lot of what I do is helping people get clear on what they want to do and then giving them the courage to start moving towards that.
1: Yeah, the courage is the one,
0: isn't it? It is. And I think having someone to hold your hand, that's where that is so important is when you're taking those courageous steps.
1: Yeah. Having that support is especially for men, right? I mean, yeah. women obviously need it too, but women have more of a built-in kind of relational compass that that guides them to, to that support you know, more frequently. And so once for men in particular, once they come into that and they experience other men dealing with the same stuff and being able to support each other and seeing you know the the phrase is when when one man does his work, he's doing it for all of them, so if you have a group of men and one guy steps in and, and does his work how how profound i mean it can be in it can be in a big in a big coaching conference too It doesn't matter who it is we're always we don't have that many different issues,
0: human beings do we <laughs> yeah, we like to think we have individual issues, but quickly find that another thing
1: we each have our own flavor and you know and color, but what if Tony Robbins has this what is it, the six human needs, which I don't have to memorize, but you know the pretty pretty core foundational things that all humans want. And one of the big ones is significance. We all want to have some significance in the world.
0: Yeah, significance yeah. to someone. I just want to touch on something you said there before. I just want to say hi to Tim and hi to Joe again. Uh, Joe, yeah, I love the definition of an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's really helped me a lot, that definition of entrepreneurship, because, you know... A lot of people, when I've mentioned entrepreneur in the past, they go, well, am I an entrepreneur? I don't know. I have a business. Well, I'm a coach. Does that that make me an entrepreneur? So I like to kind of make it a little bit simpler and just say, hey, somebody's bringing a gift to the world to solve problems and, and hopefully for financial reward. Um. So thanks for bringing that up, Joe. One of the things I love um about working with uh, the people I work with is the fact that they have decided to get help and support. And you just touched on something there where you said like, a lot of men who come into the work initially thinking that, they're the only ones that have the problem and then realize mm-hmm. that they start to see that maybe they're not alone on the journey. Yeah. What do what you, you know, like in terms of men asking for help or anyone asking for help, but you work with men in particular, how do you encourage men to ask for support or how do you? I think it's just being out
1: there, all of us sharing our message, sharing our content, sharing our experience. And hopefully someone resonates with one of the pain points that you know that, that I'm sharing about that I've gone through or other men have gone through. And when they're ready, you know, when they're ready to reach out. I mean, the, the saying is that, that I learned long ago is you suffer till you've suffered enough. You now, once you've suffered enough, it's like, okay, I can't, I can't do this. I just can't. Ah, I've been struggling with money or ah, I've been struggling in a relationship or ah, I've been working this job and I hate it. Ah, I'm suffering. And you've just finally suffered enough. And then at that point you say, okay, what am I going to do? And so then there's some guy just goes online and searches help for men or, you know, living more purposefully and then they're clicking and then they're clicking. Obviously, you know that no one, no one's going to come in for for support unless they really have that, that desire. I just try to keep speaking uh, and answer you to your question. I, I try to keep speaking to the message for men that it's okay to... There's nothing wrong with you. There doesn't mean anything about you if you need support, if you need brotherhood, if you need guidance, you know, I try to really frame it in terms of it really is a warrior's path to get support and guidance. Because it's a lot, not going to say easier, but just to ignore, that doesn't take much warriorship to ignore. It just Mm -hmm. takes staying in habituation, ignoring our potential, you know, to share something with the world. It's easy to just keep suffering, but you'll suffer until you've suffered enough. And sometimes with a great majority of human beings on this planet, they have an infinite capacity for suffering.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're very adaptable. Right? I mean, look at, look
1: at our current, the current president in the United States just as an example, as an example. He's the archetype for the suffering man, the ultimate example of the archetype of the suffering man. And to continue to perpetuate a, a certain way of being, right, Uh, which is all about shaming, blaming, protection, non-ownership. You know, I can go on and on. Some people have an infinite capacity to just keep suffering. When you get to a place where your heart just, there's something that cracks. You need a little crack in the heart. You just need a little bit of crack in the heart, a little slight taste of vulnerability. It could come from a song. It could come from an inspirational video. It could come from nature. But if you can just get that little crack in the heart, just open big enough to say, okay, I don't need to protect anymore. I don't need to avoid. I'm gonna get some help. I'm gonna get some support. And the way I'm working my business is I try to make my language and my branding and my language and
0: the work that I do digestible that any man can come in. You yeah, know, I love that. I mean, it has to be, right? Because you know, you're you're saying it in a business context, but you have to have it land with the people that you want to impact or else you won't have an impact.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's guys who are, you know, on the full range the full spectrum, there's very heady intellectual guys and you can go all the way up into, you know, the, uh, super, uh, unicorns, rainbows and crystals guys. And, you know, everyone's going to be attracted to whatever, whatever their thing is. And, uh, so I try to keep my language potent and strong. And that's, a little bit maybe out of their normal vocabulary, but I I still try to make the languaging digestible so that I'm not gonna say an average guy, because the work definitely has a, a depth to it that, that maybe a certain kind of very, very heady conservative man may not it may not be his flavor. He he may need to go to like someone who wears a suit and a tie every day and, and maybe has that kind of thing. But um generally speaking, I have pretty wide range. Pretty wide demographic of, of of men that come into the work, from attorneys and doctors and you know executives into people that are visionary thought leaders, creators. You know whether it's celebrities or Hollywood directors or wh- whatever it is. So it's a wide, pretty wide range, which is really cool. Which I really I enjoy having. You know all kinds of different men come into the work.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, so Do really, yeah. Do you? Have a yeah. a wide range. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. I would say there's there's a couple of archetypes for me. Generally, like you know, I look at the nice guy syndrome as being a little bit of a filter for for my type of people. Where the way of being of the nice guy is that everybody likes them, they're super popular, and yet they're kind of dying inside a little bit. And mm, whatever they're trying to bring into the world, whether it's a business or an idea, is not having the impact they want it to have. And so that nice guy way of being, although it's had them be safe and popular, that's the being that we have to kind of look at if they're going to really make an impact and the kind of impact they want on them. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, you're a recovering you're, nice guy, right? Yeah, I'm a recovering nice guy, yeah, which is a long fucking recovery, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> um, but I am a recovering nice guy, yeah, which allows me to speak to it a little bit more.
1: Can I read what Jude, Jude Absolutely, wrote Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> He said, I'm in recovery long-term. It's lovely to see men who reach painful points in life and reach out to each other. It's quite important that others understand how you feel. I think the men I see getting vulnerable and sharing feelings are really powerful guys. Yeah, that is the superpower, right? That's the new currency.
0: Yeah, do you want to speak to that? Because this is your work, right? You do a lot of... I mean, that's the
1: yeah, that's the ultimate... That, that's, that's the work. You have to be a vulnerability warrior. I mean, you have to be willing to... I'll tell you a little story. Many, many years ago with my teacher, many years ago, I was dating this woman and she was successful and beautiful. And even as I was starting to go on my first date with her, I was terrified. I was insecure. I was judging myself and she's not going to like me and this, this whole thing. So I I remember calling my 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 teacher and talking to her about it. And um, I decided that for this situation, because I had such a habit, like we all do, in relationship of how I was showing up, my insecurities, that for this particular woman that I was going to date, I decided to lay my cards on the table at the beginning. Not necessarily recommended for every man out there, but for me at that time, that was a was, was practice I needed to do. And so on our first date... I said, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I, I said something like, you know, look, I have these issues around, around this and insecurity and this, and I'm just letting you know that that's what I'm coming in with. and And it was a practice of a vulnerability practice. That was really the focus of it was to not go in to this particular situation in my normal habit of, facade and barriers and trying to live up to you know to an ideal and an expectation that I see. And because the work around hiding, the work around these facades, these masks is very, very taxing. It takes an extreme amount of energy. And to just say, okay, now again, I'm not suggesting this for every man. It it, it is it isn't really an attractive trait. It does require I can give a different teaching on how to work with, with your stuff coming into a relationship. But for me at that particular time, it was pretty liberating to just be vulnerable in that way.
0: Yeah. And um it takes no, well, less energy to do that.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, you're just living through the your your filters of of how you see the world, just trying to protect yourself and and, and project yourself in a certain way. And it can only last so long. Your ability to maintain that facade. It's a little bit like if you're a liar, if you lie, it takes a lot more energy to lie because you have to remember everything you lied, every specific of how.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I noticed that it's, it's funny that you say, you know, you're pretty clear that not recommending that as a strategy. Because what I noticed is that when I started being vulnerable, you know, especially around dating and in relationships, it's quite an attractive thing because people aren't necessarily used to it. And if you do it a certain way, it, people like it. And I noticed that eventually over time, it just becomes another tool. And then that becomes the vulnerability becomes the performance.
1: (laughs) you You see it on Facebook. Oh yeah, man. I mean, don't, don't you see it on social media? Yeah. People getting on their, on their Facebook feed or wherever, and just spilling everything, everything about their deepest, darkest neurosis and insecurities and, and, you know, travesty of the situation that they're in. And, I'm not going to say people shouldn't do that, but it can be an, another form of trying to reach people, you know, yeah. trying to <laughs> build your audience. Like maybe I'll get more likes if I'm really vulnerable. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about social media in particular, but, um, but I just wanted to mention this idea of in particular to men and men being vulnerable. I have a blog on my site, zaparaca.com. I think it's called vulnerability and the subtle shaming of men. Because if you look at the programming, men have programming, obviously, and obviously women have programming too. So women are just as programmed. So men are, the program for men is what? You know, vulnerability means if you share something, it could be showing there's something wrong with you. Don't do it. You know, don't share too much emotion. What You know, that's programming that we all know. So we all know that one. But the one for women is even if they're, a more conscious woman on a personal growth path, they still have their programs around men are supposed to be strong, right? Men are supposed to show up in a certain way. And it could it could be anyone. It could be whether you're gay or straight, whether you're with a friend woman, or, or your lover, it doesn't matter. Women have their programs around how men are supposed to show up. And so women do want their men to be vulnerable, without a doubt, generally speaking across the board that, that I see, at least in, you know, urban centers where there's people who are you know modern urban people, but then the subtle programming underneath it is like share, but don't, don't, please don't share too much because I need to, I need to know that I'm safe with you, that you're a strong man. And so there's a soul shaming in there. And I've heard this from a lot of guys, like when they're share, women may say things like, you know, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and you know, you need to man up. You know, using these kind of these kind of terms that they've been programmed with around how men are supposed to be. So it's an interesting kind of edge to play on for men around being vulnerable and also being aware of like, okay, I'm gonna be vulnerable, but at the same time I want to be I want to hold myself in kind of in my masculine strength or whatever term you wanna use. And so it's it's an interesting edge to play on in that field of the vulnerability in terms of between men and women.
0: Yeah. It's
1: Especially really in, in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. There is a subtle shaming there.
0: Mm, yeah. It's interesting that, you know, vulnerability is a buzzword, right? And, you know, popularized by Brene Brown in the last couple of years. And so I think yeah. a lot of people are running around, you know, like uh, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So it feels like vulnerability is the hammer at the moment and that is the answer to everything. So people are running around with this new tool, not quite sure how to use it. And so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Um, my brother speaks quite funny, openly yeah. about this. You know, mm-hmm. like he, he, has a business, and he was sort of leaning into vulnerability, so he was sharing all this vulnerable stuff to all his team and you know clients that were coming in the door. And eventually, his team pulled him aside and had an intervention and said, "Hey, like you're scaring people. <laughs> Please stop being so vulnerable." And so, you know, that, <laughs> it, yeah. it was the lesson. And it's, you know, I don't want to say it's bad or wrong. I think we all have to lean into being a bit more open and being a bit more vulnerable. But absolutely, know, probably there's a little bit more discernment that has to be found in this work. True,
1: yeah. I think that's a big that's a big learning piece for someone how to work with vulnerability. I mean, full vulnerability with yourself, obviously, is a good place to start.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's the hardest thing, right? It's being truthful to yourself.
1: Yeah, be honest and real with yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that was the hardest thing for me around, uh, you know, when I was in my career and flying was you know, something I'd wanted to do since I was a little boy, the hardest thing to admit was that I didn't really like it anymore. Mm. (laughs) You know, like it, it was much easier to go, well, maybe if I change jobs or maybe if a different airline or maybe if I got paid more or maybe if I did enough work on myself, maybe I'm the problem. The hardest thing to admit was like, I think this is not a fit anymore.
1: Yeah. And just brought to mind, I think this is, I mean, this is where coaching is so amazing is, um, an image came to mind when you were talking about that, in which I told the truth of what I felt about a client. I told the truth. And sometimes we know something, but we haven't been willing to be vulnerable enough to tell ourselves the truth. And this is where coaching is so powerful is to get that reflection back, you know, I had a guy yeah. I was working with, I don't know if this is the best example, but I had a guy I was working with that had been drinking for like, I don't know, 30 years. Drinking, drunk every day, wow. every evening, right? And But it was always just like, yeah, I know I enjoy after the end of a long day, I enjoy drinking, but he hadn't really taken the time to just stop, be with himself and feel like, wow, I know drinking is causing me big turmoil in my life for years and years and years and years he hasn't been he wasn't willing to get vulnerable and real with himself and i said to him is it a possibility just entertain this thought that you're an alcoholic and he went hmm. and he thought about it and we just left it there and he and he came back for his next session and everything changed everything his life's completely completely changed from that day forward and so I know I'm kind of t- going off on a little bit of a tangent around vulnerability, but it's, yeah, it's good. It, it was a pretty radical moment. And through that, just that feedback. And, um, you know, a lot of times that doesn't, that doesn't work for people, right? If someone's an alcoholic, it's very often that, you know, they don't want to hear that. They may have heard it too many times in their life, but in this situation, I just offered them that reflection and that possibility and, he quit drinking, and he hasn't drank since. And his life's completely transformed. He's everything. His his work, He moved his work. Everything. So it was a pretty pretty powerful
0: coaching story. Yeah, it is powerful, yeah. and that that's the sacred space. You know, the coaching is, creates the sacred space to have those conversations. And I think it's often we don't want to be true to ourselves because we don't want to think about the consequences of that truth. Yeah. So for me, you know. Uh, or for that guy, right? Like, I don't want to admit that I'm an alcoholic because then I would have to, well, I have to go to AA. I have to get into recovery. I never get to do the the one thing I enjoy doing every night. I might never get to do again. So I'm not even going to be truthful about that because I don't want to think about the consequences. And same for me, I don't want to admit that I don't enjoy flying because that might mean I have to leave flying. <laughs> you know, and yeah. what the fuck does that mean? What what's the implications for my life around that? So I think that's a beautiful thing about coaching is that. You don't have to be uh, responsible for anything that you say. It's like, let's admit the truth. Let's look at it from every angle, turn it around, look under it. And then if that's not something you want to deal with, you know, we can put it back. Totally. So you don't have to say it to anyone. You don't have to announce it to the world. We can just speak that truth and try it on and see how it feels and have a look at it. Yeah,
1: exactly. I love that. I love creating that, con- that, that context for people just going to bring Tim's yeah.
0: comment here. Um, I hear the word vulnerability a lot, and agree there needs to be some discernment. I also see the shaming of men in the workplace a lot, which makes it even harder to deal with stuff as a leader and a colleague. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, I think it it depends on Tim. Yeah, what what kind of workplace environment that leader has created? If they've created an environment, uh, a safe environment for you know everyone to be vulnerable, then we can take out that shaming of of men. I mean, haven't you ever seen, we know this term vulnerability hangover, right? Where you say something and later lady, you go, oh, I wish I, again,
0: wish I yeah. wouldn't
1: have said that, you know? So yeah, if you're vulnerable, you can inspire others to be vulnerable. But if you're in a certain work environments, there's just, it's just not acceptable yet. And this is what we're changing. This is what I want to change uh, on the planet is evolving enough leaders, right? To be more wakeful, mindful Leaders that that they are able to hold the space for everyone, especially for men to to be vulnerable, and also for women. Now, I mean, in the in the Me Too era, uh, for women to speak up without uh, fear of uh, of retribution or um, or them being shamed. I mean, if you look in, in other parts of the world, if a woman shares that she was raped, that's not not only is it is it ignored, but they're shamed for being a rape woman, which is just, I just, I just heard this the other day, completely going on a tangent here, but um, I heard, uh, I think it was a BBC, maybe yeah, either BBC or MSNBC piece about this doctor that has done surgery on, I think over a thousand women and children that have been raped in, in different parts of the world. And one of the big things that he's working on with their mental health and their physical health Is also trying to destigmatize the shame that's put on the women for being a victim, being a rape victim. Yeah. That was really, I was really moved by that. I was really moved by that piece that I heard someone doing that level of work. Yeah. I may have some past life stuff in this because this is something that's always been really, really affect me is around women uh, and how women are treated and abused uh, around the world. Mm.
0: Yeah. Still a huge issue. Yeah. Big time. So, would I be, brought yeah. the whole
1: energy. I changed the whole energy of our conversation <laughs> there. And that. so uh, that's okay. Like, whoa, cool. what did he just do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I appreciate you bringing it up. Well, we would yeah. be uh, a cool place for you to go now? Is there anything that you would love to talk about?
1: Um, well, I just wanted to see what Jude said here. Sure. Being a woman in his sometimes to be vulnerable and truthful. We can be seen as being needy, stupid, or manipulation. Totally get the life-changing words. Oh, okay. Yeah. Being vulnerable can be seen as, as needy or stupid or can be open to manipulation.
0: Yeah, that's the risk, right? That's the risk where you have to... That, that is the risk. Yeah,
1: there's an
0: inherent risk
1: in being, in being vulnerable. Um, well, I like to go to the theme of your show, right? Is... Is about bringing an idea into the world.
0: Yeah, helping live people live an extraordinary life, and you know, a big part of that for these people is, you know, they're amazing people. They want to make a difference. They're people that uh, are looking to find a mission that aligns with them, bring their gifts into the world, and that's challenging, right? Things come up and need help with the courage to do that. So, what do you see? Is that is that something that you do a lot of work with, like in the men that come to you? Absolutely, yeah.
1: I mean, this can point right back to vulnerability. Um, being a leader or sharing anything in the world requires a, a high-level of vulnerability. I mean, maybe if you're putting a product in the world and you're not the face of your product and you have a company, <laughs> you know, maybe not as scary, but definitely in, in terms of being in leadership in some form, uh, a guide, a well, teacher, a mentor. It's us
0: too, right? Like you... you When you're not doing the thing that you're most passionate about, when you're not bringing your gifts into the world in some way, when you're doing a job that's, you know, just a job, there's no risk. No, if you fail. Yeah. If you bring your thing into the world that you say, this is my thing and this is what I'm good at and (laughs) this is what I really care about, and then you fail, that's a lot riskier, right? That feels a lot heavier. Yeah.
1: Possibly. But one way that I look at that I work with this is this idea of what's at risk. It's this process called what's at risk. Mm-hmm. And so there's a risk on both. There's a risk on both sides. So it's really interesting because I would say I don't know what the majority is. A very high percentage of the men that come into the work. There's always this component of wanting to have some effect on the planet, whether it's guys who are in business, uh, you know, accountants, attorneys, working for corporations, or whether it's guys who are, are you know in the entertainment business, whatever it is, there's a high percentage. I mean, it's staying up in 90% that they all want to do something that's going to shift and change the world, that's going to add to the world. And so that just is pretty much kept away though, right? When I ask them, well, what would you want to do? Oh, I'd want to do this. I'd want to do this. I'd want to, you know, speaking about their dreams... What's the risk if you don't? So the question is: is What's the risk if you don't do that? Mm. What's the risk? Well, what's the risk is I don't leave any legacy. I continue to play small. I don't really share my my gifts. And what's the risk if you don't do that? Then I really don't feel very good about myself. And you know, we could follow that that risk down to the core risk, which is if I don't do that. I mean, everyone's going to land in a different place. But if we get to the to the root of most of these, it's that I'm not going to be loved and accepted as much. I'm not going to be adored or I'm not going to have as much significance. Mm. I'm not going to fulfill my purpose. Well, what's the risk if you don't fulfill your purpose? Then I'm wasting my time. What's a risk if you're wasting your time on this planet? Then, then I'm not going to be loved as much, or I'm not going to be recognized as much. And then on the other side, what's at risk if you do take a chance and put this out in the world? You know, we can follow that line of thinking down too. What's the risk if you do it? Oh, I'll be laughed at. Humiliation. I may fail. What happens if you fail? I'll waste all my money and I'll become homeless. What's the risk if you're homeless? Um, I'll become no one. No, I'll be insignificant to people. What's the risk if you're insignificant? I won't be loved. I'll be alone and unloved. Well, there's a risk on both ends of being alone and unloved if you don't do it. Then the question is, which risk would you rather take? Pretty much the same risk on both ends. If you don't, if you, if you do it or if you don't do it and most. I would say all people would say, uh, I would rather risk doing it. And then once you get clear on, yeah, once you once you get clear on what you're, you know, the risk you're willing to take, you make that decision, and you don't turn back from it. You just own that all the way through.
0: That's been my experience because you're not. There's not one answer me that wishes I was back (laughs) working, you know, in the airline business because. Hey, this, you know, this is really hard bringing something into the world, starting a business, doing what you love. It's fucking hard work. And anybody that tells you it's not is <laughs> pretending. Get a coach. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's a worthwhile struggle. It's a worthy struggle because even when it's hard, it's hard because I care so much about it. This is the thing that I love the most that I really want to succeed. And so I think, you know, even having a coach, a coach is not there to just stop it being hard. A coach is not there to stop you struggling. Right. A coach sure. is there to yeah. help you understand and reframe your way through some of the struggle and ensure that you're growing through the struggle, that you're growing in the way that you need to grow to become who you need to become. Right. So I think that's really important, really, really important to understand that, hey, there's risk on both sides. There's risk if you do nothing or risk that you take a chance. So take a chance and then it will be hard. But when it's hard, it's okay because it's in service of now you bringing this thing to the world.
1: So, what's your what's your early scary risk moment when you when you put yourself out in some way?
0: Oh, I think money has always been a big one for me because you know when I left flying, I was earning the most money I've ever earned in my life, and money has a very different concept in business to what it does as an employee. As an employee, money is the thing that they pay you to right. keep doing the thing. Whereas mm-hmm. in business, money is the lifeblood of the animal. You know, it's the thing that keeps the whole thing going. It's not just about generating a thing for you to have. Mm. You know, it's the thing that allows you to bring on a team. It's the thing that allows you to have a marketing budget. It's the thing that allows you whatever. So mm. it was reframing and understanding finance. You know, and, and realizing it's a if the money runs out, the business machine runs out of blood. The machine stops working. And so it was. Constantly playing with that and understanding money in a whole new way and the risks associated with it. Mm, Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, that's a big one. Was that a big one for you?
1: Well, I mean, the one that comes up for me in, in my situation because I went into the field of being a coach and being a teacher, right, was just my first foray into teaching in public, putting myself out there, stepping in front of people and saying, Okay, um, I have something here to share and to offer and to guide you in an experience, and that's scary as hell. Like getting on stage, right? Like mm. getting on stage and sharing sharing your voice or your your gift or your song or whatever. I don't know why I
0: just had Stars Born, Lady Gaga flashed <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> that's a great, um, that's a great example of what we're talking about,
1: yeah. Yeah, when Bradley pulls her out, he she had that support, someone to help stretch her. Moment. I but, love that moment. Oh my god, that was great. I, <laughs> I love. It. I might have felt really a little did. emotional
0: in that moment. Yeah, I,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, but the risk of uh, taking a risk to what's going to come out of one's mouth? What might you say? What might you forget? You may look stupid. You may you may screw up. Mm. Uh, you may be in a moment of. Total vulnerability, and um, are you willing to take that risk? It's it's like sticking your it's like you know sticking your head out. You're going to get whacked. It's like a turtle sticking his head out of his shell. You have that shell, but you stick your head out. You're you're going to get whacked. We'll put it that way. When you are, in, in my experience, when you're a, a teacher, a guide, a mentor, a coach, whatever you want to call it. You have to stick your head out, and that's part of the learning process. I mean, my God, I've had some pretty painful, pretty painful learning processes along <laughs> the way. Pretty, pretty painful. Um, Maybe but, you can
0: share some, but I think it, it's about uh, leadership, and yeah. we're talking about bringing these ideas into the world, declaring that you want to, you know, you know something, and you want to share it with the world. It's about being a leader, and it is a big mm-hmm. part of my growth has been around leadership. And really understanding that being a leader is not about having all the answers and then pretending that you know more than everybody and just staying stoic. It's about being a student and constantly learning lessons so that you can be a better leader.
1: That's it. Yeah. Being willing to uh, stay in that, in that beginner's mind over and over.
0: Yeah which is not yeah. fun a lot of the time.
1: It's so fun to work with guys that that want to be in leadership. I mean, that's why I'm doing this men's coach training that I have coming up, guiding men into leadership because what is more exciting than creating leaders, being part of being being in in the creation process with men that that are, are people that are wanting to become leaders and seeing all the screw ups that you that I've made and all the mistakes and all the insecurities and being able to uh, support people through that process is really amazing.
0: Yo, tell us a little bit about that. So you got this new program, and for the first time, you're going to be leading leaders.
1: So I'm doing a men's coach training, and um, it's been many, many, many years in the incubator and in the seed in the seeding period. But my God, the planet—we need this right now, every day. Right? We see something in the world how many of us on a daily basis have, um okay, I'll just speak for myself on a daily basis because I do, I, I do stay active. I listen to the news. I, you know, politics, I, I try to stay in, in the loop of what's going on, but just impacted every day from the, from the state of the planet, how the planet's treated, the ignoring of of our planet, of the people of compassion, of goodness, all in the name of, Power and um, and greed, and so I'm impacted every day by that. And so the the way that I feel I can really be giving back is by helping to train more evolved men. Women are doing that on their own. Not to say women don't need help, absolutely, but men are especially the target right now for for growth and for evolving. And so. I have a men's coach training, guiding men in how to facilitate men's groups, men's workshops, uh, doing men's coaching through the lens of men's deep inner work and the challenges specific to men, so that we can evolve this planet, so that we can have less violence, less rage, less destruction of the planet, more consciousness and commerce. You know, have more evolved leaders in places of places of big impact, right? People who are making big decisions in the world. Like right now, I'm working with men that are are electing leaders on the planet and that's really exciting you know because as they evolve they become more awake they become better leaders they just model that for everyone else and it ripples out so that's what i have men's coach training that is starting on May 14th 2019 and uh, i have some free webinars coming up on April 30th um, they can go to menscoachtraining.com and you can register for webinars there to because men's work is growing immensely, there's more and more men spending their time and their money and their resources, and so we're meeting the need for more men to be conscious leaders and be men's coaches.
0: That's beautiful, sir. And, Thank you for sharing. Uh, yeah, it's that. awesome, man. I'm glad you're bringing all of your life's work into this, and you know, actually taking yeah the bold step of training the trainers, leading the leaders. That's very, very powerful. I know you're the man for the job as well. So, give us that website Thank one you. more time.
1: So it's menscoachtraining.com slash webinar, or okay, you can, can just be, go to Men's Coach training. There should be a pop-up there. And that is what is happening right now. Um, you can always email me through
0: that site as well, menscoachtraining.com. That's great. Thank you, Zach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So before we wrap up, we've got a few minutes left. The last question we always ask, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see how you play on this question, but uh, what is your dark side? It's something I know you work a lot with, with other men, and I'm sure you've done your own work. Mm. So I'm kind of interested to hear, not so much your philosophy on what the dark side is, but really, what have you, if you go down deep, like what is the dark side you have to watch for? And how have you learned to embrace that part of yourself?
1: Mm. Okay, where do I start? How how much time and how many do you want me to cover?
0: Um can give me the scariest one that you don't want to share and you have 3 minutes. <laughs> right, that's right.
1: Yeah. So just to be clear, I'm I'm going to share a just frame it in terms of a problematic dark side because dark side can be really good and beautiful too, right?
0: Well, I think that's the second part of the question is what is the dark side and the second part is how have you learned to embrace it, you know, in, in a positive way. Uh,
1: let me see. One of my dark shadow sides is anger and um and that can show up in so many different ways. One way that anger, dark side can show up is with negative being just being negative, just having kind of a habit of negativity, negative mind, we could say in through the Buddhist frame and so I was raised with a lot of anger, and that just got imprinted, right and I worked on it for many well all my life for the my whole personal growth journey over the past uh, almost 30 years. So that's a big dark side.
0: Anger doesn't... How does, it, how does it show up in like some, you know, in the least... Well, it showed up in
1: my life in many different ways. When I was young, I got in all kinds of fights. I mean, right. I fought a lot in high school, just fighting, punching, aggression. First uh, big relationship when I was 19, 20, 21, uh, and then getting married to that woman and having anger and aggression through that time period, just toxic poison. No, I mean, not to the point of harming anyone. Um, My dad didn't have that, but it was just verbal anger, but still that, that shaming, that anger and shaming is just infused. And so that came up and through a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. And and, um, until I finally was able to own it and see it and work with it, So doing a lot of anger work over the years, but pushing people away, um, being shut down, being aggressive, that's how it it has shown up. Mm. Um, And it's way, way, way more subtle now. I mean, Mm. uh, but it can show up as being negative, as um, getting caught in limitation. Anger really can show up as, through the Buddhist frame, anger is a little, is, is equal to aversion. So if you have anger, you tend to have a lot of aversion to things. Mm. Like, I don't like that. I don't want that. That's no good. Right? That kind of mm. mindset. And so um, that's a dark side. That's a negative dark side. Well, so because, how have you learned
0: to embrace that? So uh, you said it's not as profound as it used to be. But do you have ways that you now channel your anger or in healthy ways? Or Yeah. doing you doing, anger,
1: doing anger practice, conscious anger practice. So look, if you have whatever your thing is, whether it's you know, anger or if you have paralyzing fear or if you have insecurity, um, you know, what, whatever that is, if you don't go through the doorway of that thing, you're not gonna come out the other side. Mm. And so one way that we work with this particular dark piece is by doing conscious anger work, you know, doing, practicing with healthy aggression, so, doing some kind of anger work, there's a plethora of tools. Whether it's what do you use? Uh, well, I could use journaling. Like I'll do, a, I'll do a write and burn practice where I'll, I'll I'll just sit down, create a little space, light a candle. I'm alone. This is my this is my anger time for the next ten minutes, and um,
0: so take a get, pen you and I a place to express. I just let
1: freaking anger come up through me, and I just channel it um, with no filters. Whatever the the most ugliest words, mm-hmm. you know, whatever wants to come through, whatever blame on anyone, on calling people names, sometimes it loses linearity and just comes out as a scribble. Mm-hmm. And it's just coming out through my mouth through sounds. And it's like, ar, ar. You're like, just doing that. And I have a time, you know, I have like eight, eight to 10 minutes. And then I then I come into a mindfulness practice after that. And just feel a spacious spaciousness in my body, and just come into spaciousness. And then I take that that paper and I burn it. You know, it's up to you how deep you want to go in. But I may say, you know, I may do a little a little prayer, like I release this today. You know, I'm I'm no longer have a contract or oath with my anger, and I burn and release this anger, and then I burn it and let it go. So that's that's one really powerful, simple
0: practice. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, yeah, yeah, this is always a very powerful part of the conversation. Thanks for diving in. And yeah, anger is painful,
1: it's very painful. So it is painful for guys out there that
0: have that, you
1: know. Um, and even nice nice guys have a suffer a lot from repressed anger, right? Absolutely. Not really owning that, yeah, absolutely.
0: And so the way is yeah. through <laughs> not allowing it to bubble up in unhealthy ways, but finding ways to honor it and yes. It. Mm. Yeah. But again, thank you. Thanks for coming on today.
1: Yeah, just you, I really man.
0: appreciate you as a man. I appreciate what you're doing and now this big goal and this new program starting in May is going to really make a dent in some of the issues that we have in the world. So, thank you. I really honor you for
1: thank that. Thank you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you and your and your heart.
0: Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, Alright, thank, right, thank you guys Thank you uh, as always for tuning in It's a pleasure having you here If you're listening to the audio podcast don't forget to subscribe for free on iTunes or Spotify and I'll be back next week with episode number 77 That was the Nathan Seawood Show inspiring you to live an extraordinary life